0: Hello, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping family businesses thrive. My name is Ross Hayworth, and each week I will share insights and experiences to help you to navigate the complexities that can come from being in business with your family. You will also hear directly from family businesses who have been kind enough to share their own stories. As ever, I am grateful for the support of my good friends over at the Institute for Family Business. The IFB support family businesses in overcoming their challenges and help them build lasting legacies, something that we have a shared passion for. You can find out more about their work by heading over to ifb.org.uk. Right, let's get on with this week's show. Well, hello and welcome to this week's show. Now, as I record this, there is sun streaming in through the window, which, if you've been here in the UK, makes a nice change because it seems as if it hasn't stopped raining for literally about a year and a half now. Every time there's a, a brief glimpse of sunshine, we promise that spring is just around the corner um, and then another storm arrives and, and ruins everything. So I'm not counting my bluebells just yet. But at least the sun is shining as I record this, and I hope it is shining wherever you are listening. So, rather than being obsessed with the weather, uh, I've been contacted by a few more um, listeners this week, which is um, great. It's, it's uh, really nice to hear from you. The reason I started the podcast in the first place is to provide, hopefully, informative content that is practical. And I really do love hearing from you about how you are discussing it with your own family. So please do get in touch. This is the last episode in the current series that is focused on governance. So I'm going to spend a bit of time summarizing what we've discussed during the series overall um, and then looking at bringing it all together. I'm then going to go and have a discussion, potentially a rant, on a particular element of what can form part of the discussions on a family charter. Before we get into that, though, I just want to clarify something that I think is really, really important. And that is none of what we have spoken about so far in this series should be considered as a mandatory requirement for your family business. It is very likely that some of what we've been discussing anyway is already in action within your business, but not in a formal way that is titled a family constitution or a family council, whatever you want to be calling it. It's also really important to reiterate that there are no off the shelf solutions. There's no copy and paste solution to a family charter. Despite what some people will try and sell you, it should be something that is done on an individual basis at the right time and in the right environment. To explain a little bit more, family businesses are unique as there are three separate but intertwined systems at play. So this is best illustrated by something called the three circle model. It was created by Renato Taguri and John Davis back at the end of the 1970s. And I will be covering this in far more detail in a future episode, but that's, it's many months away. So if you want to have um, a listen to episode 43 of the podcast when I was doing the interview series, I speak to Professor John Davis directly about the three circle model, what it taught us. 40 years ago and what it continues to teach us today so if you want to know more about the three circle model go and have a listen to that episode after you finished um, this one but the model itself is based on a venn diagram of three overlapping circles now it's quite difficult to draw a picture when you're talking um, via a microphone but if you imagine the three circles arranged with two on the bottom one on the top all overlapping and the various different segments that that creates. And what this model highlights is that there is a level of complexity within a family-owned business that simply isn't present within a non-family-owned business. So let's take the example of a non-family business. You would generally have to work with an ownership system and a management system. So if those are two of the circles, ownership and management, and you put those next to each other with an overlap, You can see that in a non-family business, there can sometimes be that overlap because you can have a business owner who works in a business um, as well. But you then add that additional circle of the family system on top of that to create that triangle. And it goes from a model with three segments to a model with seven segments. And this is what helps to highlight the complexity that exists within a family business. The family system itself is an emotional system that is made up of feelings, relationships, history, sibling rivalry, family dynamics. And this is all stuff that non-family businesses don't have to deal with. There is an argument that would say that it's the effective management of these intertwining systems that actually helps to dictate the success of your business and in some respects your family. And it's important to note that some families can achieve this through the informal processes. Others prefer to have the formal approaches that we've been discussing throughout this series. So please don't think we're we're dictating that this is um, essential to the successful operation of your business. When you bring in governance and you introduce it to that family system, it takes time and it takes a great deal of care. Because we are dealing with an emotional system, it is essential that any conversations about governance are mindful of this. It is not a, you know, a sweeping change to everything within the business. It's not forcing one person's view through everybody in their family. And this is why we need these discussions to, to take time. And that can be off-putting to some people, but for me it's a reason to be cheerful. It is something that takes time, care, patience and perseverance because it matters. Family is precious. Being in business with your family is really special. But because there is an addition of this emotional family system, there can sometimes be a need for some governance to help harness and enhance that passion that's present within your family. With that three-circle model, again, there can often be a blurring of the boundaries between each of the systems. And so bringing in some governance structures helps to contain the relevant discussions and processes to those forums. This separation can be what helps to make the operation of the business more efficient for the business owning family and all those within it. We've spoken about various different forms and mechanisms for delivering good, impactful and effective governance and the motivation for this introduction and for the introduction of this governance to my mind should always be to enhance rather than hinder what you are doing as a business or a business owning family. It should be seen as an enabler to help you to achieve what you are looking to achieve and a good starting point to get a thorough understanding of this as a family Is to capture this within a family charter, or they're sometimes referred to as a family constitution. To summarize, family charter or constitution is typically a document. It captures the views, um, the passion, the values, and the aim of the family, along with attitudes towards things like ownership, next generation education, philanthropy, that word again, still can't pronounce it. And whilst these matters are captured within the family charter, the real value comes from the discussions that go into creating that charter. They may be discussions that you haven't had with your family before, where you're asked to answer questions like, why does the business exist? What is its purpose? Should family members be able to join or own the business simply because they are family members? Just a couple of examples of questions that you might want to ask during the creation of these um, charters or constitutions. And because your family is unique, the answers to these questions will be unique as well. So it's not a case of there being a right answer to these questions. It needs to be what is right for you as a family. So we know of families who have insisted on external experience before joining the family business and others where there is a job for family no matter what. It needs to be what works for you, which again is why it should take time. It should take care and patience. Because for it to be effective, it needs to have buy-in from the whole family. And ideally, you want this to become a living document, rather than something you draw up once and leave on a shelf gathering dust. It can and perhaps should be something that is reviewed on a regular basis, not just to ensure it remains relevant from a family perspective, but also a wider world perspective. The world is moving at a pace um, that is you know, quite hard to keep up with sometimes. So having a document that's 15 years old is probably not going to reflect what's currently going on in the um, world today. A friend of mine, Martin Stepek, who was part of a very successful family business in Scotland, has suggested that the family charter should be written in pencil so that it is able to be adapted as and when needed to remain relevant. And I tend to agree. The next governance forum that we discussed on the series was the family council. So the purpose of this forum is to encourage and create dialogue between the board who are running the business, And the wider family, be that family members who own the business but don't necessarily work in it or those that don't own or work in it but want to be kept informed of what's going on. Typically, this communication would be through the chairman of the board and the chairman of the family council. As and when you might want to introduce one of these tends to be more when the family becomes large enough to benefit from an additional communication conduit rather than, you know, mass sending an email to a hundred people and hoping they all read it, delivering it via a family council who can then deliver it to the wider family through a family meeting or family assembly, or, or even a family newsletter can, can be an effective way to communicate things that are going on within the business. So as a reminder, the family council has no formal influence within the business. That's the role of the board and the management team that you employ in order to deliver the strategic um, goals of the business. But it is a useful communication form to allow the wider family to express their views to the board via the chairperson of the family council. Now, in order to gather these views... The family council can arrange family meetings, sometimes called family assemblies, family forums, whatever you call it. It's basically a gathering, typically informal. They do have a business element to them, but also very much a social element. So that families that, or family members rather, that don't necessarily get to see each other very often, but may at some point in the future end up in business together, are able to meet and bond and form those relationships. The family assembly can also be a really useful forum to help create more emotional ownership of the business amongst the family. So imagine a family is getting larger and more dispersed in terms of geography, etc. Bringing everyone together once a year to have a meeting about what's going on within the family business, having a social element to it, having a fun element to it, having perhaps an educational element to it can be really, really useful. As I say, you can use them as an opportunity for education, um, development for next generation, and perhaps highlighting stars that are the future leaders of the business and then creating programs to help harness that. So there's lots and lots of positives that can come from introducing a family meeting or family assembly, particularly as a family grows. So as a family grows, firstly, firstly, as a business there may be the need for it to feed more mouths in a literal sense this in itself can help form the strategic direction of the business so if the family is growing and the business needs to grow to support that family if that's something you want it to do then that can help inform the strategic direction to the board in addition as future generations are born and grow up they probably do so in separate homes. So if you imagine a situation where a business was founded by mum and dad, as an example, they would have been living together. They would have had the opportunity to share ideas and and views on an hourly basis, probably. The next generation could probably be the children of that mum and dad. And again, they've grown up in the same house, particularly during their sort of formative years. As they then move on and have their own families, the number of houses and households that people are growing up in change. And so the views and levels of enthusiasm towards that business can become diluted as the generations progress. So you can start to see where bringing in something like a family assembly might become useful as I say, as a way of developing that emotional ownership that is perhaps lacking because the family has become more dispersed through natural growth of the family. These particular family governance forums can help to create unity and coherence and improve communication within that family system, which can help enhance its relationship with the business. When it comes to the business itself, We talked about part of the, and again, I'm not a huge fan of this phrase, but the professionalization of the family business is the introduction of a more formal board structure. So the board is responsible for setting and delivering the strategic direction of the business and is accountable to the shareholders for the delivery of that. In a family business, if we think back to the three-circle model we talked about earlier, and the blurring of those boundaries, you can see that a board member who is also a shareholder and a family member is gonna be wearing three hats at any given time. So having the right forums in place to discuss the right things at the right time will help to create the boundaries that may be needed to help improve business performance and um, cohesion within the family. Bring that right back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Having a family charter, which informs the overall strategic direction of the business, that is aligned to the family's visions and values, can make the board's job easier. The board can make the strategic decisions in their meetings against the values and visions of you as a family, and then report that back via the family council, for example. The Family council are then responsible for communicating it to the wider family fire, the family assembly or family meetings. So you can start to see how the cohesion and coexistence of these family forums and family governance forums in particular can really help to improve communication and people's understanding of what's going on. Works both ways. So feedback from the families then passed back down the same communication channels. So from the family assembly to the family council to the board. But everyone is clear. The right people are talking about the right things in the right places and at the right times. Ideally, the outcome being that everything is running smoothly. We then move to another significant step, which is the introduction of non-executive directors to your board Um, again to summarize they add expertise they add experience um, potentially in areas that may be lacking amongst the board itself and they're able to provide an objective and challenging voice to proceedings So because this is a summary episode, I'm not going to cover these in huge details. If you have missed the individual episodes leading up to this, there is basically one episode dedicated to each of the things that we're talking about um, today. So go and go and check those out. But just to reiterate, I, I keep using that phrase just to reiterate, there is no one size fits all solution that every family business has to adhere to. What we have discussed are there to help enhance and improve communication where relevant. They can do so amongst family members with the potential to improve business performance, but there's no such thing as best practice. If any of what I've covered in the series resonates or you feel that it might be useful, first step would be to get your fellow members, uh, fellow family members to listen to the show as well. Then have a conversation about it and keep top of mind what are we as a family trying to achieve. Each of you will have your own goals, your own dreams, your own aspirations, as will each and every generation that follows you. And you have an amazing opportunity within the family business to help every single one of them achieve those dreams, be that in the business or outside of it. The introduction of governance can seem intimidating, but having a clear idea of why you are doing it will help. If you do need any help, I can do that. I can provide that help for you. Just drop me an email, russ at thefbc.co.uk. We can start with a phone call or email exchange. or If you're outside the UK, we can use Zoom and jump on a call. I've been doing that with uh, quite a few people, but I am here to help, so please do get in touch. As I said at the beginning of the show, this takes time and it should be treated with care. And just to round off the series, I'm gonna give you an example of why. One of the elements of a family constitution or charter is normally a discussion around values. So what values do you as a family hold dear? Why are they important to you? And why is it important that the business should reflect those values? So here's a question for you. How many businesses do you see with the value statement that include the words honesty, integrity, professionalism, client centric? It's always in there. Or phrases like we care and we put the customer first. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those necessarily, but surely these are a given. The reason I think these are a given is you never see the opposite. It's not a competitive advantage to say we care because none of your competitors are saying we don't care. None of them have values like dishonesty, unprofessionalism or statements like we put ourselves first and if you don't like it, up yours. Guess why? They would be out of business before you know it. So if those values are important to you, which for most people they probably are, but everyone has broadly the same values as their company motto, how do you actually go about creating a culture that lives up to those values? One way that I do it, and a challenge I put to um, businesses when we're talking about these values is a simple question or statement, and that is prove it. How do you as a business... And a business-owning family measure honesty. How do you measure professionalism and integrity? So for me, the first step is to talk about what they mean for you. What behaviours would you expect to be present within the business that show that those values are being lived on a day-to-day basis? Here's an example. I went to visit a family business, went to the reception area and said, Hi, I'm Russ. I'm here to see the MD, something like that. And they politely replied, take a seat, he'll be down shortly. Great, all good so far. After I sat down, the people behind reception carried on their conversations. Again, nothing wrong with that. But then they began to mock somebody. And not only were they mocking them, they were using swearing as doing so. Now, I'm an adult, so I'm not being precious about swearing, but it did give me an impression of the culture that existed within that business. The MD then came down, we went up to his office and we we're having a conversation about um, various things, conversation about family values and vision and uh, that kind of stuff. And he said that he was really proud of the work that they had done on their value statement and that they had spent half a day with all the staff not his family, all the staff, agreeing what the value should be. One such value was professionalism. So given my experience downstairs in the reception area, I asked him how he and his staff demonstrate this professionalism. I didn't drop anyone in it, but I did ask, how do you demonstrate that? Prove it, essentially. His answer was to point to a poster on the wall that had, you've guessed it, honesty, integrity, integrity and professionalism on it in very nice writing. It was a great poster. But my point here is that firstly, half a day is probably not long enough to decide as an entire business, what the value should be. The reason I'm saying that is because you then end up with the same words as everybody else. Honesty, integrity, professionalism, great, tick the box, move on. But in those discussions, there's not gonna be the same level of emotional ownership to those values amongst people who are just coming to work to get a paycheck versus you as the owner of that business. I would have far preferred to have these discussions with the business-owning family and then focus on what behaviors they would expect demonstrated within the business to show that those values are being lived day in, day out, not just posters on a wall. If the statement is we care, prove it measure it. We put the customer first. Prove it. Measure it. It is then up to everyone in the business and within the wider family to live up to those values through their own behaviour. Now, this shouldn't be hard work because they're your values. They haven't been dictated to you. They've been arrived at through meaningful discussion Perhaps some challenging discussions on what behaviours might be expected from different branches of the family or different people within that family. But essentially, they become agreed upon as a foundation for the culture you want to create within the business. Let's take the example of Timpsons here in the UK. If you were to ask about how the family have helped to create and nurture a culture that is true to their values Every single member of staff within Timpsons would be able to point to a number of different initiatives, perks and benefits that they get through working for this business. They can prove it. And Timpsons are a big national business. It's taken time, it's taken hard work. It's not been done by accident, but it can be achieved. And that is why it takes time and needs to be done with care. Because when it's done well and has meaning, It will help to create a culture that will help you as a family to deliver on your own dreams and aspirations. Anyway, that's my rant over. But to to summarise on that, I think it's far more important to focus on behaviour than it is just to get a value statement done. There are quick and easy ways of doing a value statement. You can Google them and copy and paste. But as I say, I don't think that is necessarily the best way forward on this far better from my experience to focus on what behaviours you'd expect. You can then measure that within the business itself, communicate that within the business itself, and everybody, uh, including your customers, will benefit from that. So that's it for this series on governance. I hope you found it useful. The next couple of episodes will be showcasing some elements of business that, again, I think will be really useful some fascinating interviews with some brilliant um, people, with the bonus of them being family businesses. So we're gonna be having a chat with a marketing automation business and looking at the psychology of marketing and why it's so important to get that right. And also um, highlighting the importance of having an awesome customer experience on your websites. After that, we move on to a series about succession planning. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. As I've mentioned throughout the series, I am here to help. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Please do get in touch. Um, Email address is russ at thefbc.co.uk. You can find out more about the podcast and uh, what I do as a day job by heading to uh, www.fambizpodcast.com or previous episodes and as i say more information about what i do is on there if you have enjoyed it and think there are other members of your family who would enjoy it too please feel free to send it on to them and i look forward to speaking to you on the next series until then take care i hope you found this episode useful if you have then why not share it with your family and see what they think i work with families just like yours to help them to better understand the complexities that can come with being a family in business. So whether you're just starting out or heading into the umpteenth generation, if you feel that I could help, check out fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ and get in touch. Until next time, take care.